Hey, welcome to the Cloud Native Show presented by Rackner. My name is Alex Roll, and I'm here with Mark Testoni, who's the CEO of SAP National Security Services, or SAP NS2. How are you doing, Mark? Great, Alex. Thanks for having me on your uh, podcast today. Hey, thanks for coming on. I'm super happy and super excited to talk about a little bit what, what you guys are doing in the space. So just to set the stage, what does uh, SAP NS2 do? So I assume it's a, it's a subsidiary of SAP, um, and it's focused on the public sector. Is that correct? Sort of. Yeah, actually, it's kind of an interesting model. So SAP, mm -hmm. I think we're all familiar with enterprise software company, right. uh, you know, a big, long 40 plus year presence. Uh, the reality is, is that they're, they're a European Union or German company and to do business in certain parts of the nat U.S. national security space, mm -hmm. you actually have to create a separate independent company to do that. They call it the Foreign Ownership Control and Influence Mitigation or FOCI. The net is, is that we are an independent company of SAP under our own board of directors. We take you know, primarily SAP capabilities to the market largely in in the national security space and sap gets all the financial benefit of all that but uh, we we kind of op operate independently so it's mm -hmm. it's an interesting business model and there are a number of these for in, in the national security space because of the number of foreign providers capabilities it hardware and otherwise so uh What's what's transpired in the last few years, although we started kind of our core is in national security and the intelligence community and defense because of the inherent nature. We're all U.S. citizens. We all we have our own private networks. They're separate from SAP. And a lot of customers, commercial customers have come to us to do some work for them as well. Everything mm -hmm. from product support, the 1-800, I'm having a problem to clouds. So we've, you know, it's, it's been a very interesting model and it's, it's uh, inspired or propelled a lot of growth in the company since we started it back in 2011. Right. So what are the major like product and service lines that SAP NS2 in particular provides today? So if you, if you look at us, we're just like a software company, we sell the, the full suite of SAP capabilities, both mm -hmm premise in the cloud. We have an implementation organization that 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 uh, you know can help implement with partners or alone. We have a product support uh, capability. So if you're having problems, uh, you can you can do that. We also render all of our or many of our solutions through cloud. We, we're also into we also have a NS2 Labs, which is a kind of innovation center where we collaborate mm -hmm. with customers on new capabilities and we're evolving a development organization. So but if you think about the history of SAP, it was kind of an ERP back office, but it's trend you know, over the last decade or so, particularly it's become much more focused on the intelligent enterprise and how data is so as we all know, and digitized data is so important to business and creating information out of that that's actionable to help customers and obviously to help not only customers and customers, customers do business. So uh, if you think of us as a small SAP with uh, just but separate and distinct with yet the full arm and R&D power of that company. And we also offer other capabilities as well. Some other partners were, were evolving a business in that area because of what we do. So it's it's a fun business. Awesome. So. I'd love to get a little bit more into some of the capabilities, especially with regards to cloud. But first, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, your history with the company. So you I, I, you were with the Air Force and you worked for Oracle's defense arm for a little bit and then with SAP. So how 
How did that uh, progression happen? How did you end up running the SAP NS2 organization? Well, I like to say, Alex, that my career has been one uh, consistent set of of accidents into mistaken mm-hmm. things that have happened that turned out well, you know. Uh, so I, I, I spent 20 years in the Air Force. I enlisted, eventually got a commission, became an officer, uh, had a great career there. But for some personal reasons, I had a son with developmental disabilities that I needed to get out at 20 years. Mm-hmm. I uh, And I, I went to Oracle and I didn't realize I was actually getting into sales when I got there. I just got this great job with Oracle. and. But I had a good background in defense and government and helped them as they were growing a business. And then about in late 2006, I had an opportunity to come to SAP and take on a broader responsibility for a federal business, which led to me eventually having the opportunity to run the whole public sector for uh, uh, U.S. And then as SAP acquired Sybase, which is a company some of your listeners may remember, a big database company, that's what kind of forced the need for the what we now call SAP National Security Services around us too, because Sybase had a lot of business inside the, the you know credentialed national security community with some of the intelligence customers that they had. So they needed to either SAP was either going to need to get rid of that business or create this this uh, model, and and so that's how we got where we are today. We started this company off in uh, in this form in 2011, and um, and and seven, eight years later, and I'm actually surprised at some of the things that we're in. We would have never realized we'd be in a cloud. We didn't really talk so much about the cloud back in 2010 or 11. Mm-hmm. And now we're a big player in that. Um, you know, we're, we have a venture arm. We're, we're investing in companies. We've acquired companies. So uh, it's amazing what what's transpired in eight years. So that's how I kind of, as I said, it's a, a series of fortunate accidents somehow led me to this this role. Right. And what, what makes the defense and intelligence uh, sector is particularly interesting when it comes to cloud. You know, there is obviously a different set or tier of you know, security requirements and things like that, but what makes the cloud a good fit for these sectors? Well, you know, the cloud is beyond, you know, we, we talk about the cloud kind of this general amorphous thing and, and, and it, it's really one of, one of the things it is, it creates the possibility to consolidate and standardize and to create scale in ways. And that can be done in a very secure environment as well as in a public environment. Like you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of used to getting on Amazon and using their cloud app to, to do whatever, or, or we hear about companies that have HR, but apps that are out there, we can do those same things and provide that same uh, help to the department of defense and the Intel community. When you think about, we're in such a data driven world and, and beyond you know, being able to help companies as SAP is historically done in the back office where we can help you clean up your back, your, your finance and administration, and your HR and, and talent management and all those great things. Now, some of, we have the ability to help customers with commercial capabilities fuse data or potential. Uh, and, and the cloud is a mechanism where you can bring a lot of that data together. So cloud architectures, even in a private sense often or in a, mm-hmm. a, a pri- you know, private or in a secured, uh, limited, restricted environment, offer potential for a security, uh, rapid access to information and, and an ability to, you know, to, to leverage AI and machine learning and things that are a little bit harder if things are distributed. 
particularly, you know, in the current mechanism. So there's great applicability. And there are a lot of initiatives within the Department of Defense and in the intelligence community to go to the cloud and have been over the last several years. Gotcha. And you're also partnered with Google Cloud, correct? Um, I noticed or I read something about a deal with Google Cloud that was specifically um, with NS2. Can you speak a little bit about that? What So what were what were the goals in that partnership and what sort of capabilities were you trying to deliver? So we actually, I mean, if you don't mind, I'm going to pivot it just a little bit because we Go have relationships with all, th- the, all three, uh, the three majors. Our, probably our deepest and longest relationship is with Amazon Web Services. Um, mm-hmm. they, they are currently the underpinnings of our uh, secure human cloud capital, success factors human cloud, and many of our secure, what we call secure HANA cloud, or hosted environments for customers that we do both in the government and commercial. We also have a, a relationship and we've got, and we've, we're doing work with Azure today. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Google um, is less focused in the government space and, and currently hasn't committed to some of the US only things that we do, but we're looking for ways to work with them in other markets like stake and local and utilities. So this is a business that's growing and we view each of those players important because customers have preferences, one, Two, they 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 each have. Um, it's a, it's becoming a competitive environment where which is good for the consumers of this. So whether it's business or government, and and each of them have their attributes, and 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 we've developed depth with all three of them. So, but um, I, and I think it's been important because SAP initially, when it built out its clouds, did a lot of it through its own organic infrastructure. We took a little different. Pivot by using the hyperscalers, and I think it was it was a good decision for us. It allowed us to scale quickly, and and grow. And we're growing this business very rapidly as a result. Very cool. So, I guess so. What what are the primary use cases for the public cloud provider? Is it scaling, you know, SAP HANA or similar types of SAP products for customers on the cloud? Uh, yeah, that there's really we have seven what I consider, and I'm gonna and if I it might be eight and it could be six, I, but but roughly seven major cap, sets of capabilities we've put up on the cloud, and I'll go through them really quickly for you. One, human capital is really uh, uh, an important thing. We have a a a human capital capability success factors that SAP is taking market. We've put that on a secure cloud environment. Uh, and on, on different levels that meet both the Fed ramp, which is the, the basic U.S. government federal uh, capability, and the defense requirements, which are a little higher. There's all sorts of security things that are ILs and Fed ramp levels and all this, and we don't need to get into all that. But basically, we've got that secure HANA cloud, which is a bedrock. A lot of customers, the, the original ERP customers of SAP, are moving their platform onto to what we call secure HANA cloud or SAP calls HANA enterprise cloud. We, we, we do that with multiple providers and, and we, that also leads to what the next generation of ERP S4 HANA, which is, so we take a lot of those customers on and then start them on that innovation roadmap there. Mm-hmm. There are then cloud specific cloud offerings, new ones that have come about that they're important that we we have put up and we're getting through all the government security processes. Those include uh, integrated business planning, which is a digital supply chain offering, um, things like uh, SAP's analytic cloud capability, which is the next generation of, of, of the visualization tools. 
And then SAP's cloud platform, which is a kind of the infrastructure development platform that much of this content's going on. So we have put all of those up uh, on a combination of the hyperscalers and, and they're now available for commercial customers and we'll be rolling out to government customers uh, by the probably by the end of the year. All of them will have gone through all the certifications. So, you know, and we have a lot of demand for this inside the government space. So it's uh, so that is pretty much we don't have the some of SAP's more CRM focused offerings, C4 and some of these other things. We've not brought those to bear because we haven't seen the market signal for those. But these the other ones around digital core and the intelligence suite, which I described, it's kind of the two major areas is what we've put up. Gotcha. So I guess when you look at the next couple of years, what's what's new? Are, is it is the main goal to roll in new SAP products or are you working on some uh, interesting stuff uh, as far as NS2 in particular via, for say, the, for instance, the labs section uh, that you're looking to roll out? Is there is there anything in the pipeline you can talk about? Yeah, Alex, that's a great question, actually. I'm, I'm glad you asked because we're, we're doing two things. We'll, we will continue to put SAP cloud capabilities and bring customers on. We, they, we think this business, uh, which has grown substantially in the last, you know, really three years that we've gotten it up and running, will continue. And we think for where we are today, it'll probably almost double in that by next year revenues. And I can't talk about the specific numbers, unfortunately, um, because we roll up into SAP for some of that, but I can just say it's significant, but, and we will continue to look at, at as SAP rolls out offerings, we're, we're looking to collaborate with them on other ones. They have a whole set of products like, for example, uh, the Ariba, uh, indirect spend app. We'll look at that. We'll look at how we can help the concur team, which is a, you know, time or an expense platform, which which is very popular, as they're looking to bring that in government, how we may be able to help them or bring it in even to the more secure spaces. But we're also, uh, we're collaborating with partners. One of one that I can talk about a little bit is is a company by the name of Counterattack that we had a venture investment in. They are a, an endpoint cyber play. And, uh, and we've actually they've replatformed on the HANA because of the demand, uh, the demand for the data demands on the on the platform. And when you think about endpoint cyber and IoT and all the distribution, when we get into the kind of the five G environment with much more distribution of servers, it's going to be. We think this is a really important capability. So we've we've collaborated with them. We've actually taken that not only to help them working on-prem, we've put it up in our cloud now. So it is available not only for our current customers that we're talking to about it, but it's also available to others who may want to leverage their, our cloud and secure cloud infrastructure to run run it against their, their environment for security. So I expect us to have three or four more partners in the next year, like a counterattack inside our cloud that are non-SAP offerings, some in the cyberspace, um, there, there's, there's also, I think, some other interesting use cases that I can't talk about, but maybe I could come back, you know, you know, a year or a few months and talk about that we're in negotiation with right now. But if you, what we have here is, and I have probably articulated well, is we have a kind of the commercial cloud capabilities, but in a, in a more stepped-up security environment that that is appealing to a lot of customers. We also think that going after the cyberspace and how we can help 
working with MSSPs and others by providing commercial technologies to them through our cloud is, or our directly to customers another way. So I think we're going to have just a huge boom as a result of the cloud ability to deliver this rapidly on a cloud platform in the next few years. Gotcha. That's, that's very compelling. So I guess, um, well, my last question is something I ask all my guests, but what's, what's something you're personally interested in as far as, uh, you know, either this industry or cloud or even technology in general, we don't have to restrict it. But I love to ask everyone what they're personally looking at over the next couple of years, two to three years. So Alex, I've been around a long time. I, I went into the Air Force in 1977, which is probably to some of your listeners, sounds like something when the dinosaurs maybe were walking there. Uh, they were gone, I can, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> The, I've been around the business of government, and particularly defense, and, and now later intelligence a long time. And they've never been able to fully leverage commercial capabilities. They've worked through an awful lot of intermediaries, what we would call systems integrators or the big defense right. contractors, provided great work for them over the years. But as you know, this acceleration of technology today I mean, for our own national security, we need to have a, a, a tighter relationship between the Silicon Valleys and the Austin, Texases, the Boston, Massachusettses, and and other places, and and our defense and intelligence. So, my hope is is before I ride off into the sunset that we've created a closer relationship, and we've had something to do with that. A, and we've made these these things easily consumable. You think. The cloud is an interesting, although it's a very misunderstood, it's a way to rapidly render technologies, much like as consumers, for example, over the last 15 years. We've 15 years ago, if you if somebody would have said you could do something on your phone, you'd probably say, oh, I can type a type of text and maybe do email, right? Look at what we do today in our personal lives. If we can get business and government operating like that, that's a vision I would love to be a part of. I'd love that to be able to see an intelligence analyst, for example, using a personal cell phone, be able to pull classified information down in a secure way, get that information, watch it disappear off the these things for use in government and in business in a way that we have in our personal lives. And, you know, I'm passionate about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a young man, but I'm still young at heart. And I, I look at 5G and, and potentially the things that we've got, you know, the way that's going to change the redistribution of the Internet and maybe the resecuring of it as, as a great potential platform. And, and, and I also look at, like, the real possibility of robotics and, and automate, you know, automation to the edge. So... I'm a little passionate. Sorry for the long answer, but no, it's <laughs> uh, it's just like I, you know, these are the things that keep me, you know, inspired in, in this business, and 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 I, I can't wait to see young people like you guys, uh, you know, take it to the next level over the next thirty or forty years. Some great insights there. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I thought that was fantastic and really interesting to see sort of the outside perspective or a perspective on the intelligence side of things. That's um, super cool and. I'm excited for the future as well. So thank you for appearing on the podcast. Alex, thanks for your time this morning.